Hi everyone, and welcome to the September edition of the DistilleryTours.Scot podcast, giving you that wee bit of extra insight from Scotland's whisky distilleries. My name's Nikki Simpson, and in this episode, I spoke to Paul McDonagh, owner of the world-famous Bon Accord Bar in Glasgow. Paul says a dram of whisky is like a conversation in your hand. There's so much to know and talk about from the taste to the way it's been distilled. He also tells us about what makes the Bon Accord truly special, the many whisky clubs that call it home, and his favourite dram, the Glendronach 18-year-old. If you'd like to find out more about the Bon Accord and its whisky, check out distillerytours.scot and click on the Visit Now button on the Bon Accord listing. We hope you enjoy it. Start your whisky journey with Caledonian McBrain, proud sponsors of distillery and whisky news podcasts. Visit calmac.co.uk for further information. So today I'm here with Paul McDonagh, uh, owner of the Bon Accord in Glasgow, the world famous Bon Accord. How are you, Paul? I'm fine, yeah. Great. Good, good. So tell us about yourself and your career working in the drinks industry then. Oh, it's uh, 35 years I've been working in the trade uh, from part-time in a bowling club, <laughs> uh, various bars for Scottish and Newcastle uh, brewers I've worked for them for uh, about 10 years. Uh, I've had the Bon Accord for 20 years. Uh, I'm running that at the moment with my family, uh, which has been fantastic. Uh, some people say don't work with family. Well, um, I, I love that aspect of working with my family. Uh, but we're in it together. Uh, and everybody's mortgages get paid, the kids are all looked after. So for me, that, that that's one of the good things about having a family business, where it's nieces or nephews or cousins, they've all worked for me at one particular time to help them out through the years, you know, so being able to do that and help the, the larger family, as well as the Norwegian family, is something that I'm quite proud of, and uh, I hope it continues in the future with the grandchildren and whatever, you know, uh, whether they have a career in the, the, the trade or whether they use it uh, well they're at university or not it's uh, it does really matter but being able to uh, allow them to have that access to that is something that's uh, it's very nice for family business that's lovely i mean i think um certainly when i worked in bars i kind of felt like the people that i worked with because we were so close kind of became family anyway. So to actually kind of double down on that and actually be working with your family. Wait, what's it like? I mean, surely there must be like disagreements and stuff. How do you, how do you? Oh, well, <laughs> well, there's not really, but every, everyone's got their own, their own bit that they do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the boss. If it comes to down to it, I'm the boss. Uh, I run the business. Uh, my wife runs the house, but we all work together. And uh, my son runs the bar and, but I'm overseeing everything. So there's all, always a conversation, but there's never a disagreement because it's one of the things is they know that I'm not doing anything that's going to be detrimental to the business and vice versa. Uh, a lot of times it's me saying, look, here, uh, here's, I've tried this before or whatever. You know, just certain things, but everybody gets a chance to input but there's got to be one boss and one boss only, and that's the way we've did it. Because for 20 years we've been doing it in here, so it's, it's if we've been able to do it for this length of time, and we're all still together, it just shows that we're doing it right. So I'm, I'm quite yeah. happy the way things are working. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, 
Yeah, and I think it must it must be nice um, for them as well, knowing that you absolutely have their best interests at heart all the time, huh? Rather yeah. than rather than like you know the the your bank balance or whatever you know, or yeah. or even if you did have your bank balance in mind, it would yeah. always be with a view to you know to supporting them as as your, yeah. That, your that's it. That's you mentioned earlier on about yeah. You mentioned earlier on about staff staff are the extended family. We are. I've I've got people who's worked with me for twenty three, twenty years. 18 wow. years, I've had people that's long-term work, work with me because they've become part of that family. They've been to the family weddings and things like that and because they've worked with me for so long. So they become extended family. And say you do anything to help your family, but that also includes the extended family. Uh, and I think that's very, very important as an employer that you're looking after your staff because without my staff, my business isn't anything. I need these staff to to uh, uh, to be successful, and it's mm. these staff that drive me on as well. My staff come up with very very good ideas with things over the years. So I've picked up things working with different people. Some people that have never worked in the trade come into the trade, and all of a sudden they come up with some really good, really good idea. I implement it, but they'll get the credit for it as well. You know. So it's nice when you've got that long-term thing when everyone knows that what their job is, uh, and everybody. It's just a case of make sure it's ticking over uh, properly. You know, I mean, from my point of view, at the top of the tree, make sure that everybody's mo- motivated properly, and that's through various reasons. Whether it's a night out, or whether it's just like a wee pep talk, or it's just sticking a arm in the shoulder. You know, I, I always put it down as a little bit of manager of a football team. You have some people you've got to kind of uh, the, the arm on the shoulder, the other one you just got to speak to a bit more firmer or whatever. Like. So your, your manager, and this is what you're doing, you're just doing these things as best you possibly can. Uh, so yeah, each person responds differently, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and this is the thing. It's not everything's the exact same with uh, different staff. Yeah. So you've received 57 awards, is that right, over those 20 years? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of awards. Yeah, yeah, we've done very, very well. I'm not, a, I'm not a trophy hunter anymore. At one particular time, I was very, very keen because it's, it's nice for business and nice for your customers and staff. A bit of motivation, for customers to tell them about how great their pub is, and for staff to say what a great business I'm working and I'm part of this success and all that. So these are all very, very, very good things. So we've won all the whiskey awards and bar staff awards and all these kind of things like that. But the one I'm most proud of was the Best Bar None Award. And we won the national winner in 2015 for independent pub category. And that's all about safety and security. Now, safety, I've I've won all the awards, I've got all the products, I've got a beautiful pub. But to have a safe pub, to have a safe pub for your visitors to come in, whether they're local visitors or whether uh, from Singapore or Taiwan or Whatever, to have a safe environment for people, that's for me has got to be one of the most important things. Uh, high uh, standards and hygiene and a safe environment, and you cannot go wrong. The basic things that you, can, you don't do wrong. We don't have bars, stewards, or anything like that. We run it ourselves, but we know who comes in and we police things very, very uh, tightly. And, uh, what do you what do you say? Do you, would you do differently then at at the Bon Accord that maybe other bars? Could learn from? Well, we're here. We're here all the time. So it's a case of we know who's coming in my door. We make sure we've always got enough staff on. 
as much you can, because if you're going to have any problems in your bar, it's because you're understaffed. It means that people think you're up to no good. But it's that's what it's all about, and it's about knowing people. And I, I'm basically got a zero tolerance in here. I don't allow any foul language. I don't allow these things. I don't, I, it's just, no, I don't want to listen to it. And I hear say the rest of the, the people who put my back listen to it. So it's just, we don't we don't accept it. People be told instantly, excuse me, is the harm. So it's get back to the football thing. Yellow card, then a red card. So we don't we don't accept it. Uh, sometimes it's you might have one of your regular customers having a, a bit of a hard time of it, work or at home or whatever, and sometimes you get people want to let off a bit of steam, and they'll just be pulled across. Want to talk to you, and just nice ways. Sometimes it's a wee arm round the shoulder, and sometimes it's a case of this can't harm. You'll be mm-hmm. yellow guarded next time you're up the road, or it'll just be a case of there's not this kind of situation as that you get in bars, someone lost their hands. We don't, we would never tolerate that. It's not a case of you're bad to this pub for two months, for three months. If you're bad, you're bad. You are mm-hmm. out the door, you know. But we have all these policies and procedures in place where it be lost property, where uh, how to tackle people who you might think are under influence of drugs or too much alcohol or whatever that. All the things that you would look at within the business when people leave the premises, if people are outside in the beer garden, how the noise levels and whatever that, how that would could interfere with, with uh, our neighbours. So we are always very, very strict on these things. Just because you're outside doesn't mean you can, you can raise your voice and raise the language as well. So. It's various things that we actually do to make sure that our place is running right, that the police don't have to come and run my business because I can't, and yep. uh, everybody can enjoy yourself. And that's, I think that's very, very important. I'm, I'm envious. I cannot imagine working in a pub where um, foul language wasn't allowed. That's, <laughs> it would be, uh, it would be, uh, uh, definitely wouldn't be the, the, pub that I used to run but I, I mean I wasn't the boss but I yeah, mean well, it's just, thing, it feels so alien that's just a, yeah, I mean well, amazing good on yeah. you but the thing the thing is everyone can have a personal conversation and that's nobody's business but if that personal conversation other people can hear that personal conversation because the decibels are up that's where it becomes yeah. my business so yeah. if I hear them excuse me that's we'll deal with that so yeah. That's, I think that's the best way to operate. So, tell us about the whiskey then. You have a pretty fantastic range and you've got some fantastic whiskey clubs as well. How did how did that grow? What what makes them so popular? Well, it grew uh, when I taken over this pub. 20 years ago, uh, the Bonner Club was uh, an alehouse. Uh, and I'm, I'm a lover of cask and dish and ale. I always have been. Yeah, I like the, the quality of things and the choice and the range that you could get. So when I take over the Bon Accord, it, no whiskey, no malt whiskey. And I've always had the, the, the kind of outlook of uh, and a cask ale is a conversation in your hand. You, you'll talk about where it comes from, uh, what kind of hops and different things like that. So you get a conversation. You'll not have a conversation about a pint of Stella, but you'll have a, pint, a conversation about a, a, a beer. Uh, and what are pubs for? Meeting people, talking to people, conversation, 
and that's what you go to a pub for. So, on the other hand, a malt whisky is another conversation. What distillery is it from? What, what kind of cask it is? So, you've got two conversations, all the more reason to go to the pub and enjoy it. So, not sitting in a house with a, a can of Stella and a, a, a Bell's whisky, you're in a pub with a nice cask ale and a nice uh, malt whisky, and you've got people, like minded people, around about you. And that, for me, is what pubs are all about. So I started increasing the range of whiskies. And that, probably after about a couple of years, eh, I'd done one or two kind of off nights. Whiskey nights had different eh, distillers come along, inviting eh, some people along. But it was about 15 years ago, I thought, I'm going to start a club. And eh, that was when my first club started, it was 15 years ago. And eh, it's very, very successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so successful I had to start club uh, two then I started club three because you know you get so many uh, drams out of a bottle and we always like to keep it to about 20 25 people per night so it's a two post meal six drams once a month and it works very very well it's the same I've done all the distillery tours and all, all different type of things that you would expect for a, a club to be involved in and the whiskey festivals and things, you know. But so when you start a whiskey club, then you're always looking, and even more so, looking for new brands, new distilleries, older bottlings. So it, it all goes hand in hand in hand. So for me, it's uh, it's it's been it's been quite easy just to kind of keep that going, you know. So at the moment, we've got three whiskey clubs that the Bonner Club looks after. And there's two other whiskey clubs that meet in here, which is the Valanche Whiskey Club and the Glasgow Whiskey Club. So this is the home of the Valanche and the Glasgow Whiskey Club. So five whiskey clubs all together. And we do quite a bit of whiskey tastings for groups for retirements and birthdays and some stag. So we do that kind of thing. And groups of people who come maybe every six months who are now started off with a kind of basic whiskey taste at £30. Uh, ahead are now up at a hundred pound ahead. Because wow. what they're, they're mm-hmm. doing is they're going through the journey, the whiskey journey, and what they're doing is they're wanting that older whiskey. They're looking for the twenty-five-year-olds and the single cast, eighteen-year-olds, and that. So they're looking for something totally different. They're looking for maybe only three whiskies rather than six, but they want to go for that rarity of the whiskey. So that's how all these things grow, and it, and it goes it goes very well. What's your opinion? I was speaking to somebody the other day about how whiskey doesn't necessarily need to be old or rare or anything like that, but that, you know, the whiskey for you might be something that's, you know, a 10-year or, or, you know, just even a kind of more recent one straight off the shelf kind of thing. What do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that it's uh, important or do you think that it's just something the whiskey clubs are just looking for something a bit different? We're just looking for a bit, something a bit different. I, you, you find a lot of people who have drank whiskey for a long time, the, the kind of older ones were, were age-orientated. Mm. Uh, the younger uh, whiskey buffs, are, they're looking for just something new, something different. They're wanting, it's more about the conversation of that new distillery. This is a, this is a first release four-year-old, and then trying to imagine a conversation round about what's that going to be like in six years from now, when it's a ten-year-old, and, on that journey with that distillery, it's like we were on the, the journey with uh, Cohoman because Cohoman mm-hmm. is the same age as my club, basically. So we were mm-hmm. on that first release, second release, no, that type of thing. So we, we've been mm-hmm. on that, the journeys. So when you're, you're looking forward to trying a new one each year 
a new release. So these things happen, uh, and and it works very very well. But for me, whiskey's about uh, it's the same as beauty. It's the eye of the beholder. It's a, a case of I've tried really really old expensive whiskey, and to be totally honest, I've never ever once been disappointed. But the same thing as well. I've had really really good experiences and really enjoy enjoyable. Uh, drams that have came from whiskey at three and four year old, five year old, because the conversation round about that. There's more conversation with the younger whiskey and less with the older whiskey. The older whiskey you tend to just sit back and say nothing. Hmm. Just enjoy it, you know what I mean? It's just that kind of there's a one that you want to sit around the table talk about, the other one you just sit in the fireplace. Hmm that older whiskey and just really enjoy it. Knows it for twenty minutes, forty minutes. I think I think well whiskey club, that gives everybody opens everybody's eyes up, you know? And and you know, it's I don't know how many times I've had different distillery uh, distillers along to do a lecture on the whiskey. And you they maybe say, oh we've got about ten, we're fifteen, we're eighteen, twenty one, twenty five and everybody says, Oh, can't wait to try the twenty five year old. But after trying them, they've went, the majority of it, that 18 year old was absolutely fantastic yeah. because the age thing doesn't always equate to being the best. The, some distilleries, you, you might find that something that bit younger is a lot more better just the way they're doing it. And it suits more people. Not saying it's, it's, it's a better whiskey, it just suits, suits more people on that particular way. So it's a kind of, it's a kind of fine line. It's it's also individual, isn't it? I mean, I think everybody yeah, everybody's yeah. got something that you know. Yeah. Each whiskey reminds you of something different, or you know, it's it's not it's not yeah. just necessarily yeah. in the taste. It's your own personal taste, but in 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 relation to yeah. all the things yeah. that you've ever tasted in your life beforehand. It's, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, it takes you down memory lane as well. It's about the occasion, where you're drinking it, who you're drinking it with. All these things make make a big difference. And you can I've seen it many many times. People have been influenced by. A distillery. One one was uh, I was doing a, an Indian whiskey one night, and everybody's faces screwed up, and I was quite disappointed because I thought more of an open mind. So basically, the whole club says they didn't like it, and I thought, oh, that's that's snob. They they've been snobbish here. I know, I know for a fact because I know it was a decent mm-hmm. whiskey, and it, it deserved better comments than it was getting. Three months later, I poured them all again, the same whiskey, but it says it was a mystery dram. They didn't know they were getting. And every one of them says it was a bother. Mm. Right. Now, that was me playing a trick on them. Uh, and I had a, a bit of laugh with the, with the guys about this. Did you but tell them that afterwards then? I say to them, I says, look, guys, I knew that night that you were actually being a whiskey snob. You were, oh, can't be as good as Scotch whiskey, malt whiskey, blah, blah, blah. So, but that, the club's not about that. It's about, it's about being a wee bit honest about with yourself. Do you like it or not? Nobody can, nobody can tell you what you're drinking. If you like it, that's it. It's as simple as that. You shouldn't be swayed by anybody else. But you get these things. You, you always get these things. You get these things with your whiskey bloggers and your people that's rating whiskey. It's, it, that's their opinion. And everybody's got an opinion. Yeah, it's funny how it doesn't stretch to food. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody's got their own taste when it comes to food and you like one thing or you don't like it and nobody can tell you different. But with yeah. whiskey, it's quite, um, there's a lot of peer pressure, isn't there? Yeah, but I don't think there should be. And I think the, no. the, the, thing, the thing is, when you're in a whiskey club, right, 
that it should be more so there's less peer pressure because it's a case of you're learning how to nose how to taste and you should be able to know exactly what you like now I, I use food as an example yeah, food if you put fish in front of me i'll know it's fish or i'll, I'll pick up the aromas of beef a pork a lamb and all that so we're all used to that for very very young that your mother would put something in front of you and you would skate it away as a one-year-old because you didn't like the smell it, you weren't going to eat it and going to drink it. Mm. Right, and that's just, that's the most natural thing in the world to do. Uh, and we all know these things and it's just a case of retraining my brain to pick out the flavours and smells. And as I've said to people for years, it's learning how to nose and taste. Once you can get that into your brain, then you'll be able to pick out what you like. Now, I drink a lot of whiskies that I wouldn't buy, but it doesn't mean I don't like them. I can understand why you would like that whiskey, because that's the kind of thing that you like. That's your palate that your palate likes. So I've got a lot of whiskies on my bar that I don't like. Very, very big sellers. A lot of people love them, but not for me. But I understand why people like them. I understand why they like that thing. So you've got to try to get into why somebody would take that. It's like, the amount of whiskey I got offered, Paul, you want to buy this, buy this, buy that. Well, I'm nosing and tasting that. And I might not like it, but I'm saying to myself, I know who will like that. That group of people will love that. So when that group of people come into my bar and say, I've got a new one, you would love this one. You know what I mean? And what you're trying to do is I'm doing it with beer, I'm doing it with whiskey, and you're doing it with food as well. And how lovely to be able to like learn not only your own palate, but the palates of your customers as well. I think that's important that we do that, because I've got people walking in here today, quite a few. Try number six, cask, uh, it's on today, you love that. Because you understand, but you start to pick up people's... If you worked in a bar, you would know that the guy walking in the door, he drank Stella, he drank Terence, he drank whatever. Well, it's the same thing here. You're looking at it's not... The, the name of the brand is the actual flavour of the beer. So it's understanding that. And that's what, why when you work in a public of Accord, you, you need so much knowledge because you start to pick it up. You know what I mean? Mm. I ask people when they say about whiskey, what do you normally drink? Oh, I drink bourbon. And, what do you drink bourbon with? Coke. Well, okay, right, so you want something sweet. Mm. Pretty simple. They break it right down. So that's what I try to do. I try to match up what people are experiencing in, uh, alcohol drinking, if they weren't a whiskey drinker, try and bring it together to try and get them something I think they might like. That's interesting. I'm now rethinking every time a barman has asked me what I normally drink. You know, because <laughs> I've always kind of thought that it was them just kind of, you know, no, no, looking no, to that's, that's, sell me the thing that I normally that, drink, but no, they were they were no, trying to find no, something that I would like. Try to find something you like. This, this is for me, is, that is a, a proper bar person that will do that. Mm. That's somebody that knows who's got the confidence to actually ask you and try and match it up. Mm. Thank you. That's been quite enlightening. Um, you. You're also a director for the Glasgow Whiskey Festival. That must be fun. Yeah. How did you oh, get involved good. in that? Well, I've basically been involved from the very start as a Glasgow publican because there's a festival in Glasgow and that's going to benefit my business uh, for visitors coming along. So I was involved in just being supporting it, helping them sell tickets and promoting it and whatever. Uh, then one of the directors was retiring and I was asked if I'd like to join. And uh, I must say it's been it's been great fun. Uh, it's been a bit of hard work. Uh, but you know what? It's it's such a, a nice thing to see it grow over 
the, the last four years, five years that I've been involved, uh, and it's becoming more international, which we've always wanted, because uh, you're, you're not just getting somebody coming for Fife or Edinburgh, you get people coming for Poland and Switzerland and Lithuania. Awesome. That's great for the city of Glasgow because that is then it's hotel rooms, restaurants, bars are all getting a turn through that because uh, they're not just coming for one day. So for me, uh, as I'm quite a proud college region. I think we've got an absolute fantastic city and the tourism side of it is on the up and up. It has been for the last 20 years. I, I was uh, running a pub in Edinburgh uh, 22 years ago and the tourism thing in Edinburgh was uh, fantastic and Glasgow was a shadow of it. But in the last uh, 20 years, Glasgow is really, really booming. Not too much, but it's getting a, we're getting an awful lot more tourists now. Well, pre-COVID, should I say. But it's, as I say, to have a, a Glasgow beer festival, to have a Glasgow whiskey festival, to have these things within the city uh, is absolutely fantastic. And it just brings more people to my door. And it's good for, as I say, for the whole city, hotels and restaurants, whatever that, taxis, you name it. Everything, everyone will get something off it. So... I think sometimes that the people who run these events uh, don't get recognised for what they do uh, in bringing people into the city because uh, we're all playing a part. It's like the football clubs that bring in European supporters coming to watch Chelsea Park arrive and so like that. There's a massive amount of money coming into the city that way. Sometimes it's just not recognised. Uh, but there's a lot of people working very, very hard to make Glasgow miles better, should we say. I guess that's true for Scotland in general, huh? I mean, just yeah. every time that um, I was talking to somebody the other day who works in Speyside and who's just talking about how they want to make Speyside this, you know, not only just their own distillery, but um, they want to make it a mecca for whiskey so that people can come there for a week and spend a whole week there and, you know, get loads from it in the same way that you're looking to do the same for Glasgow. So I take it that the Glasgow Whiskey Festival is going ahead in person for 2022. Is that is that the case, or yeah. do you know what's happening? Yeah, yeah. The date is uh, was announced last week. It's uh, February 19th, Saturday, February 19th. Uh, tickets will be announced. It'll be going to sale probably beginning of December, and I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's it's like Glasgow's got a couple of distilleries now so it's got the Glasgow distillery and the Clydeside distillery it's got the whiskey festival the beer festival so Glasgow's on the whiskey it's back on the whiskey map uh, so it's not a case although Auchentosh and Glengoyne are just now skirts of Glasgow and I've sent thousands of people there over the years it's nice to see there's more there for more guests and walking distance from where I'm based, so they can actually get there, so to visit, well, at Clydeside anyway. So it's all going the right way, and uh, the the more the merrier. And What's the venue for it this year? It's Hamden Park, the home of Scottish football. So the home of Scottish football, and, and we've got the, the national drink at the home of Scottish football, so that's nice. So uh, that will be our fifth year at Hamden Park, so we're looking forward to that. It's also my husband's birthday, so that's that's um, a bit of an event in my diary as well. Oh, there you go. And what's in store for the Bon Accord then for 2022? It's just much and much the same. Uh, we just work away, uh, work very, very hard, and hopefully there'll be more tourism coming, coming along. 
is there anything special? Technically, this year's a special year for the Bon Accord because it's the pub's 50th anniversary. So, opened in oh, wow. 1971, and it's my 20th anniversary. So, there was a lot of plans put in place pre-COVID that things that were kind of building up for this year. But I've got I've got the full year to celebrate it, if you know what I mean. So, there will be I'm just slightly hesitant to be organising any kind of thing within the pub just now because of the, the restrictions that, that we did have. Uh, but I'm in talks about getting a new bottling done for the pub to celebrate the 50 years and uh, it'll just be basically onward and upward, you know. Don't look back, look forward. Yeah, definitely. Do you have your own favourite whisky? One that you'd maybe like to tell us about? I have a lot, a lot of favourite whiskies, you know, and you know, seriously, <laughs> I've, I've drank some of the finest whisky out, and I've, I've always said about whisky is it's more about where and uh, you drank it and who you're with and what the occasion was and what that, like, you know, but if I did really pick one and something that wasn't too expensive, it wasn't too over the top, I would probably say a Glendronach 18 year old, which is a really rich sherry cask, and I really enjoy a sherry cask whiskey. I, I love a bourbon whiskey, and I like old, older peated whiskies, not so much the younger peated whiskies, but the Glendronach 18 year old uh, is probably one of my favourites because uh, it's so well balanced. It's, uh, Beautiful, beautiful malt whisky. It's affordable whisky. It's got an age statement, and it's just one of the things that you just sit back, couple of drums of that, perfect. Uh, Whether it's just mm. late at night or after a, a nice meal, but no more than that, just a couple. And uh, it's it's a it's not a, an everyday whisky. It's a whisky for just that nice occasion. Uh, and we know I, I've got an online shop and, and we sell quite a bit of the 18 year old Glendronach. Uh, it's quite hard to get at the moment, but it's, uh, as I say, it's a, it's a beautiful whiskey. It's just one of the ones that's affordable for most people. And so, something to savour, I guess, huh? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's one of these things is you want a whiskey that's going to take, it's going to have that finish that you're not, you're taking a drink and putting it back down. It's because it's going to take, take a while before you need another drink it because it's got that long finish and it's rich, very, very, very rich whiskey. So I would say that, but generally I'm a I'm a, a sherry cask uh, finish is the kind of thing that, that I would go for. Again, you get a first full bourbon cask. It's hard to beat that as well with a lovely vanilla and honey that you get from it. It's uh, really nice as well. Oh, I'm salivating just talking about it. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere, huh? Yeah. Um, finally then, Paul, we always ask, what advice would you give to someone who would like to know more about whiskey? Go and visit a distillery as soon as you possibly can. I think in MD's whiskey journey, they should go to a distillery. Because I think when you... In my journey, when I was trying whiskies 30 odd years ago and trying malt whiskies and not understanding them and not being able to pronounce the names of them and 
different things like that, you know. I just wish I had the chance and opportunity to go to the distillery. Because I feel when you go to the distillery, when you get the aromas, you get that heat, you get the whole production thing of going there. And all that, being able to look at a cask and understand what, what about that cask, just seeing it. Every aspect of that, it brings it together. And it brings it together so when you're sitting there with that dram there, and you realise what it means for that 18 years it's been in that cask, and you spoke to the people in the distillery who are all very known with their own distilleries, it brings it all together. And I felt that I was late in going to the distillery in respect of my whiskey journey. And I say that to most people. If you get to yourself to a distillery, and get yourself round about a distillery, and understand how it all works, it, then when you're drinking in a glass, you actually get the full picture of it. And that's where I've always kind of looked at things because it's like press that button. Why? Just press it because I tell you to press it. It doesn't work that way. You've got to know how things work, the mechanics of it, how it all comes together. And going to a distillery uh, is, for me, a must. And, and it then becomes, it's the start of the process. You should be there and understanding that. You can get it, you can get it from a book. You can get it for YouTube. You can go and look at all these different things, but it's not until you walk in the doors that you get the aromas. Or you get the aromas outside, but you get the aromas, the heat, the whole lot of that put together. And it then kind of, uh, uh, your imagination, just everything all just works. That's for me was the, the magical thing about the first time I've done a distillery uh, tour. And I just thought, wow, this is this this all makes sense. Mm. This whole number eighteen, twenty one, twenty five. This whole thing all get a, a, a back then when when that was a, a, a kind of thing that people looked for and, and made it. But man, this is absolutely fantastic. You know what I mean? And it's great that the distillers are get the doors open. So that that's a very very good thing because it wasn't in back years and so you couldn't get any distillers. It was a, I think for me there was like a, a kind of moment of enlightenment when I was yeah. talking to um, Nick from the Bladnick distillery he's the master yeah. distiller there and he was saying to me about how he's the custodian of the stocks and how there are whiskies that he's laying down now that he'll never get to try because they won't be you know he'll have, he'll have passed away by the time they actually come out of their casks and when I really thought about that, you know, because when you see 18 year old on a bottle, you, you don't yeah. really think about it, you know, just like what you were just saying there. You don't really think about what's yeah. gone into that. You know that there's barley and so on and so on. But you don't um, you don't think about how that's actually been sitting in a cask for 18 years and all the different things that have gone into it, you know. That's where when you go to a distillery, you get that thing. Yeah. And the thing is, I've been to so many distilleries and I've been there as a VIP guest and overnight stays and all the usual kind of things like that. Mm, nice. And you get to actually speak to the distillery workers. Not just the tour guide, but you get to speak to the distillery workers, the distillery managers, and you get the wee snippets, the wee bits and bobs that go on, right? Uh, and you get that finer understanding of what they're all about and what it means and all that. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and that production process is so intricate as well. Yeah, yeah. And every distillery is that, that, that bit different as well. Mm. They've got different stories and different parts of the world. You know, it's, uh, it's great to go in about. But that's for me is number one. I mean, the first part of any job, how's it made, where did it get made, 
Johnny. Definitely. Paul, thank you. On that note. No problem at yeah, all. Thank you. It was um it was great to chat to you and um look forward to coming and, and seeing you in, in the Bon Accord itself. Yeah. Come in and get yourself a dram. I will. I'll share what we'll come in and we'll have a wee glen drunk eighteen year old together. Oh that sounds good. That sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed hearing from Paul and would like to visit the Bon Accord, they're open seven days for food, whiskey and real ale. Visit distillerytours.scot and click on the Visit Now button on the Bon Accord listing to find out more. Distillerytours.scot has every Whiskey Distillery Visitor Centre in one place. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or sign up for our Distillery and Whiskey News monthly email to hear the podcast first at distillerytours.scot forward slash sign up. Look out for posts on social media for who we'll be interviewing next month. We look forward to seeing you then.